You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Today is going to be a message for the dreamers. And uh, we're going to be talking about this morning. Uh, We are in in our series of The Greatest Show, uh, obviously based off the theme of The Greatest Showman, the show or the movie. And the greatest show being God's people, God's house, and God's day. And last week, uh, our pastor talked to us about uh, the greatest show being the church, being an exciting place, being a day where we can, we can show some enthusiasm, have some fun, have some excitement, serve, give. And it was an encouraging message, I know, for me, and I, I know for a lot of you guys as well. This week, we're moving on. Basically, each week, we're going to be skipping to another song, and the second song in this particular movie, I would say is probably one of my daughter's favorite. Uh, she loves this song, even though she doesn't really know all the words. She can't really say all the words. She likes to sing it with me. And uh, she always, you know, Daddy, The Greatest Showman. Let's watch The Greatest Showman. And she'll watch the, we'll watch, she only watches the first 10 minutes because she can't make it through much of it. But she gets this song in. And uh, this song is called A Million Dreams. And A Million Dreams, it, it's a, it's a, Basically, a testament to P.T. Barnum, and he is a young kid, and he is a very poor young child. He is very, very poor. His dad works for this rich man, and it just kind of shows you the scene before this song, just how poor and how really of a rough life he had growing up. And he then talks uh, about—then he goes out and sings this song called A Million Dreams and how he has all these dreams to become rich and have all these things and have this beautiful house and— it's a really touching song, and it's a really one of those songs where it's just a feel-good song. And uh, instead of playing you a clip for this week's song, we thought we'd do you one better. And we're going to perform it live for you. So, uh, Jordan and—where's Chloe at? Is, wait, wait a minute. Chloe. Oh, she's right here. Okay. Sorry, Chloe's right here. Okay. Having a vision of the first row here. So, you guys can come on up and— Chloe's going to sing this song, and while they're heading up here, I want you to think about when she's singing this song. Think about what's going on, and while they're singing the song in the movie, this kid, very poor, very, you know, doesn't have much. He ends up singing this, and throughout the song, he gets married to this girlfriend that he's singing the song to, and he ends up having children, and it's a really, really uh, sweet and touching song. So we're going to have her perform this song, and then I'll come back up and uh, preach the message. I close my eyes and I can see a world that's waiting up for me that I call my own. And through the dark, through the door, through and through one's beautiful, but it feels like home. They can say, they can say it all sounds. a house we can build every room inside 
friends from far away. The special things I compile, each one there to make you smile on a rainy day. They can say, they can say it all sounds Say they can say we've lost our mind. I don't care, I don't care if they call us crazy. Run away to a world that we design. Cause every night I lie in bed, the brightest colors fill my Kids got a good voice on uh, on uh, the, the show, but can't touch my sister. So, um, we're going to be talking about dreams today, and you know, <clears throat> there's two types of dreams. The first dream is one that we're all familiar with. It's a series of thoughts, images, and sensations occurring in a person's mind during sleep. Uh, I have a lot of strange dreams. Uh, I know many of you, too, have to, I mean, I can't be the only one. Maybe I am the only one. Maybe I'm just weird. But uh, I, when I sleep, sometimes I had a weird dream last night. It was a really, I don't know, it was like a scary dream. But I don't know how many of you are like me, but you have a dream and, and you, <laughs> you, you, it's like super scary. And you wake up and you're like, oh my goodness, I had the scariest dream. And they're like, oh, what was it? And you're like... I don't know. Like, it doesn't make, you try to think about it, and you're like, there was, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what happened. And, and like, you know, sometimes you're running away from the bad guy that's chasing you, and you're trying, I don't know how many of you feel this way. I feel this way so many times in my dreams. I'm trying to run, but I, it's not allowing me to run. I'm like running through, like, it won't let me run. I'm like, no, it's getting, you know, I don't know. I just, I have these specific dreams at night, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how many of you have this one. I have one that, has gotten me in trouble a couple times. I, I uh, wake up and I have like a calculated snooze. Okay, so when I wake up, I click my snooze button, but it's calculated. It's not like I just click it and I'm supposed to wake up. It's I click it because I know that I've given myself a little bit more time. But what happens is I'll click my snooze button and I'll go back to sleep. And in that five minutes or however long my snooze is, I don't even know how long it is, but it seems like I have like an eternity of a dream. And a lot of times I'll dream that I wake up, I get changed, brush my teeth, I'm ready, I'm walking out the door, and when I'm walking out the door to get in my car to go to work, I wake up. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, what's happening? You know, I'm late. So I know that there are a lot of weird dreams, weird sleeping habits. I know uh, my little brother Zoe, 
we used, me, Zoe, and Joe used to always sleep in the same room. And Joe, Joe knows I'm not making this up. He used to talk in his sleep all the time. I, we tried to get him to tell him his deepest, darkest secrets, you know, like, what, who do you like? And he's like, you know, he's talking in his sleep. And, and I remember one night he was sleeping and he slept on the bunk of the top bunk over on the other side of the room. And I slept on the bottom bunk on the other side of the room. And uh, he started talking and I lined up my shoes. I had about 14, 15 pair of shoes, you know, that I lined up on my bed because we didn't have enough closet space. And so he was, you know, talking in his sleep and it just got on my nerves. And I was like, good night. I'm trying to go to bed. He's talking to somebody who knows who. And so um, I grab a shoe and I just throw it up there and hit him. And he, you know, stops and, you know, and he starts talking again. I'm like, good night. Throw it up there and he stops. And and eventually he wakes up the next morning. He has 14 pairs of shoes on him, you know, on his face. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, he's like, what happened? And I'm like, you were talking. And it was getting on my nerves. I was like, oh, man, shoot. So, um, you know, my, my wife, she, she, she actually, she doesn't talk a lot during her sleep. But every now and then, you know, I'll be sleeping and she just screams out of nowhere. You know, no, you know, and I, I'm sleeping. I wake up, get the gun. I'm like, you know, what's happening? You know, who's getting I'm like ready to, to, to do something. And then she wakes up and she realizes what she did. And she'll look over at me and she just goes, shut up. And she just falls back asleep. You know, she knows I'm about to make fun of her. You know, what, what just happened? So uh, a lot of people have different sleeping habits. A lot of people have different dreams, different things like that. But that's actually not the kind of dream that we're going to talk about today. The dream we're going to talk about today is the second type of dream there is. And that second type of dream, according to the dictionary, is a cherished aspiration, ambition, or goal. A cherished aspiration, some, a goal that we cherish. This is the second type of dream, and this is the dream that I want to talk to you about this morning. You know, I, I had a dream, uh, when, not a sleeping dream, but like I, when I was young, I had a dream to be an NBA analyst or an NBA coach. Like that, I mean, I, it's bad how much I love basketball, and I love watching the NBA. My dad, you know, he's instilled it in me, you know, and I just, I love the NBA. I love basketball. I love watching it. I love being a part of it. I get to coach the high school team and it's just, it's a great time, but I love the NBA and I wanted to be an NBA analyst or an NBA coach. And I thought, man, I don't have enough talent to make it to the league. I I obviously don't have the physical ability that a lot of these guys have, but I thought, man, I, I know the game. I could, you know, start small and I can make my way up and I can make some good money being a coach or an analyst. I can be around these guys that, that know the game and are, you know, some of the best to do it. And that was my dream when I was younger. And we're going to talk about in our message how sometimes dreams change. And does it mean that, you know, that, that that dream was a bad dream and that God hated that dream and, you know, he punished me for, you know, by making me a youth pastor at Gospel Light, you know. Did, did, he, did he hate that? No, no. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But here's the question the, the first question that I want to answer this morning is, how do I know if my dreams align with God's will? How do we know if our dreams align with God's will? Because ultimately, hopefully everybody in here, and if you're not, we'll talk about it at the very end, but hopefully everyone in here knows Christ as their Savior and we're saved, we're Christians. And if we're Christians, we should want God's will. That is something naturally that happens as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I, I, I see so many people... Uh, you know, dreaming dreams and they, they say it's, you know, hey, you know, I think this dream's from God. I don't know. I don't know. I have students who are like, Mo, you know, I want to go to college, but I don't know if I'm supposed to go to college. And, and I, hey, I, I, I go to college, but I don't, I don't know what job I should take. And I, have, and I have so many people asking me, how do you know? How do you know if that's the right thing to do? I, I want to make the right decision. Well, I can tell you this. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above some things. Oh, wait. What does it say? All things. The heart is the most deceitful of things and desperately sick. The KJV says it is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? You know, so many people, they just say, follow your heart, follow your heart. You know, you hear that a lot. And, and am I telling you not to follow? Hey, listen, if your heart's following God, then follow that heart. But so many people don't follow God with their heart, and they just follow their heart. And the Bible says that it's the most deceitful of all things. So how can we determine if our dreams align with God's will? Well, here's five ways, and I'll try to breeze through these pretty quickly. Number one, 
we want to, number one, accept the fact that sometimes there are no quick, easy answers. Sometimes there are no quick, easy answers. James 5, 7 through 8 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. I love how God, like, compares being patient to a farmer. You know, I've never farmed, okay? I'm not a farmer, even though I think it's great, and I I have been able to be blessed by some of you. You know, I know the Pittmans have shared some of their, uh, you know, fruits and vegetables with us from their farm, and I, I love, you know, if you have a farm, you know, hook me up, you know, hook a brother up. But, hey, listen, I love it, but but I am not, I've not been a farmer. I'm not great at it. In fact, I've had to get a lot better because I do some of the shopping in the house, and I go out and buy groceries, and, when, you know, I go to Walmart, and I already apologized this morning to Miss Sonia. I know she tells me, you know, hey, you know, I need to go to Kroger. It's better produce over there. I need to get right with God after the service. You know, you'll see me down here. But I go to Walmart to get my produce, and in the beginning, I was not very good at picking ripe fruit and ripe vegetables. I was just, you know, I'd pick them, and she's like, dude, this thing's not going to be ripe for another three, four days. we got to cook tonight. And I'm like, well, how do you know? You know, I didn't know how it was. And, and, and honestly, it's so cool because God's showing us here that sometimes if we're trying to rush into things, if we say, well, I want to do this and I've got to do it now. I'm a one-tracker, you know. I'm a one-track mind. Like, if I, if I want to do something, I've got to do it now. I don't want to wait next week. I've got to do it right now, right? But sometimes when we talk to God about it, it's like, you know, <clears throat> God, I, I asked you 15 minutes ago. You need to answer soon because i've got to do something real quick and and we we just kind of sit there it's a waiting game we just wait for god to answer but i want to tell you this morning that you know i want to tell you this statement here and it's three words study or four words technically with the and study pray and wait don't just wait for god and say god i asked you you know hey listen i'm waiting that's okay god wants you to wait but while you're waiting why don't you study the word? Why don't you pray? Why don't you seek God's face? Why don't you ask advice? The Bible says that in a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. It says that somebody who doesn't seek wise counsel is foolish in Proverbs. Seek counsel. Be aggressive while you're, being, while you're waiting. Just while you wait doesn't mean that you just sit there on your rear and do nothing. It means that, hey, listen, wait, be patient, but while you wait, study and pray. Number two... Ask whom the dream benefits. We're talking about the five ways to determine if your dreams align with God's will. Number two, ask whom the dream benefits. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing in selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you, not only to his own interest, but also look to the interest of others. See, the Bible, I think it's interesting and it's so key that we study each word because it says, let each of you look not only to his own interest. It doesn't say, don't look to your own interest. It doesn't say, every decision you make must punish yourself. Yeah, look to your own interest, that's okay, but, but let each of you also look to the interests of others. And in fact, in the beginning of that verse, if we're looking here, it says, we should in humility count others more significant than ourselves. When you make a decision, when, you're, when you think you have a dream, let me tell you this statement real briefly. If your dream brings you reward at the damaging cost of others, it's not from God. How often do you see husbands and wives and people choose money, they choose fame, they choose all these different things over the people who love them most? I've seen so many people, you know, in my lifetime, just, I've seen it. I've seen them choose these things over their children, over their family. In fact, I, one of the most powerful testimonies that I, I have of my dad is when he was speaking, he was traveling a lot. He was tra- I mean, he was gone probably one year, 250 days out of the year. He just wasn't here. He was traveling, speaking, and that must have felt good for him, you know? To, people wanted him to speak. He was very popular in, among where we were and got decent money, you know, got, got extra cash flow with the love offerings and things of that nature. And there was a, a person who said, hey, listen, he said, you know, you're going to lose your family if you, don't, if you don't slow down and you don't come back home. And I cry almost every time I tell this story because honestly, when I think about what he did, he canceled all of his meetings for two years in case the whole family went with him. And that meant the world to me. I know that personally, I know Zoe and Chloe were younger and they didn't really feel this a ton, but me and Joe, we, it, it hit us hard not having our dad home. And he made that decision and he said, this is what matters to me. And if your dream, if your, if your dream brings you a war, but at the damaging cost of others, it's not from God. 
Number three, trust God with your specific dream, holding nothing back. Don't hold things back from God. Tell him all, I mean, he already knows your dreams. You might as well be honest with him and let him know exactly your specific dreams that you're holding on to. How many of you like to be in control of, you know, whatever? You, I mean, I love to be in control. In fact, my wife gets on to me all the time. She's like, Mo, you gotta, you gotta let things go. You gotta delegate. Like, right, yeah, I, I don't like to delegate because I, look, you, like I'm watching somebody vacuum and I'm like, just give me the vacuum, you know. You're not doing it right, you know. I look, uh, I, I just, I, I like to be in control, right? I like to be in control of my life. And here's a statement that's changed my life forever. The only thing that feels better than control is freedom. The only thing that feels better than control is freedom. You see, when we give our dreams to God, we, we experience a freedom that is unbelievable. And the cool thing about that freedom, how do we have freedom if we give our dreams to God? That seems like captivity. That seems like, you know, that's not the American dream. The American dream is taking, you know, your life and you just... But when we give our dreams to God, you have to realize this, that his will is always better and never worse. That's where you find your freedom. You find your freedom whenever you give your dream to God, realizing that it is impossible to get worse than what you are going to do. What you are going to do will be worse than what God wants to do with you. That is where we experience the freedom. I could not imagine not being a Christian. It pains me to see people who go through tough things and go through life without having God because everything that happens to me, I literally can understand that, wow, this is, I'm pursuing God. This is God's will for my life. And anything, this is going to be better than what it would have been. You see, in Isaiah 43, 1 through 3, it says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He loves you. He's your Father. He doesn't want to hurt you. He doesn't want to crush your dreams right in front of you and say, I can't believe you're, you're so retarded. I can't believe you would choose to do that. He doesn't do that. He loves you. He lovingly helps you in the way that you should go. Number four, be ready for God's answer of no. This is like, oh, come on, it's dreams. And we're not talking, we don't want to be negative here. This is, but we have to understand that sometimes we've got to be ready for God's answer of no. Well, Mo, I can't believe he said, I wanted to do something spiritual. And he said, no, well, well understand that whatever he wants you to do is, is, is more important and is the best situation than what you would have done. We have to understand this. We have to submit to God's will. Submission means this. Submission to God doesn't mean that we understand his will. Good, not, I don't understand God's will. It doesn't make any sense. I look at my life and I'm like, what in the world? How did that turn into this? And it, God's, God's amazing. I don't understand everything he does, but it does mean that we trust his way is perfect. Even if he says no. That's perfect in total submission. Giving our dreams to God. Realizing that if he says no, it's for the better. Here's a cool statement. Sometimes no is our welcome to liberation, not a sentence to captivity. I felt this way, you know, God, you know, God doesn't want me to do this because it's so much more fun, you know, and he just wants me to be in this box, you know. I felt that way. That's what Eve felt right in the garden. Oh, well, God doesn't want me to taste of that tree because then I can be like him, right? That he just wants me to be in this box and he doesn't want me to experience life. And I just, I just want to experience life at its fullest. Understand that no doesn't mean, oh, you're captive. It means it's a welcome to liberation. It's interesting. My daughter, Lainey, she is about to be three years old. She's a pretty smart cookie. I mean, she can, uh, she knows her colors. I mean, she knows orange is orange. She knows yellow is yellow. She knows green is green. She's, she's working on the teal and all those tougher colors, right? She can count to 10. She can even count to 10 in Spanish. I mean, she's a pretty smart cookie. She's about to be three years old. And sometimes she honestly feels like she knows what's best for her life. And she's getting, I mean, hey, look, she's almost three. I have to let go, you know? No, she's, 
but it's so silly because, you know, she's in that stage. Me and my wife are talking. It's so funny. Every time, it's not funny. We need to give her spankings. But any, every time we say no, right? Every time we say no, you know, Lainey, no. And it's that. And it's 30 minutes of crying, you know. And so if you want to tell her no, you got to tell her in that 30 minutes because as soon as that 30 minutes ends, you say no again, and it's another 30 minutes. And it's just, oh, my goodness. You know, she thinks we're terrible people. Lainey thinks that mom and dad don't love her because we're not letting her run out in the middle of the street where the semis are. You know, we don't, yeah, we don't, we don't love her because she knows what's best for her life. We were sitting at the dinner table and she, uh, you know, I love hot sauce. Cholula is my personal favorite. I've tried all the flavors. Spicy garlic, delicious. That's what I'm on right now. Chipotle is pretty good as well. But anyways, I love hot sauce. And, uh, you know, me and Susan are putting hot sauce on our meal. And Lainey wanted hot sauce. And guess what I had to say? Lainey, no, you don't get hot sauce. And she goes ballistic and cries. And, and I thought to myself, that's exactly how I am with God. God, I, 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 want, I want this. You don't understand, God. I want this so bad. And God's like, no. Oh, God, come on, you know. And I whine like a little baby because I can't understand that God knows what's best. What's interesting is, you know, my knowledge and my IQ compared to Lanny's IQ is like, significantly smaller and closer together than my IQ with God's. It's like unlimited IQ, like infinity IQ, omniscience to me. And I think I know more about what I should be doing than God. You ready for this? This is so cool. With every no comes a better yes. It's crazy. You know what I gave Lanny instead of hot sauce? Guacamole, handmade. Woo! That stuff's good! And I can make guacamole pretty solid. I have, you know, it's pretty good. I, you, know, you can ask my small group. I make it, every, you know, it's pretty good. But you have to understand that, listen, every no, you can understand that, man, God said no. Sweet! That means that there's going to be a better yes. Wow, amazing is that? That's so cool. Thank you, God, for being omniscient and perfect. You're, you are the best. Romans eight twenty eight, And we... Know that all of those who love God, all things work together for good. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We can know that everything works together for good. Even, the, even what we consider bad, God turns it into good. It's an amazing life. Number five, and lastly, number one, accept the fact that sometimes there are no quick, easy answers. Number two, ask whom the dream benefits. Number three, trust God with your specific dream and holding nothing back. Number four, be ready for God's answer of no. And number five, pursue God and the dreams will follow. You see, we've been asking the wrong question the whole time. Well, Mo, why do you do this every time? You could have skipped points one through four. We could have just got this one and everything would be okay. I know, but you have to fill in the message, okay? My dad would have killed me for a five-minute message, right? Here's what's interesting. We need to quit asking God if our dreams align with his will and ask him to align us with his will. Quit saying, God, does my, does my dream align with your will? I hope it does. Instead of asking that question, you know how to get rid of that question? To ask God to literally align us with his will. Us. Say, God, I want to pursue you and give you everything I've got. And when you do that, you do realize that God ends up giving you the dreams and the desires. You ready for this? I'm not making this stuff up. Okay, let's read scripture. Psalms 37, 4 says this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I thought, I, I read this verse when I was in junior high and I thought to myself, man, this is the greatest verse in the Bible. I, I, I wrote it out. I put it on everything I had. I was like, dude, if I delight myself in the Lord, I get whatever I want. I mean, that's, that's pretty sweet, you know. Anything, that's what the verse says. But I, w- I didn't read it in context. And when I found out what this verse actually meant, it changed my life. I was a sophomore in college. I never forget it. You see, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he doesn't give us everything we want. He gives us the ones. Let me say that again. He doesn't give us anything we want and everything we want. He gives us the actual wants. So instead of desiring these things, he gives us these desires. When we're pursuing and we're delighting ourselves in him. You know, when I was a young person, 
doesn't mean that I was a terrible kid, but I had these dreams of, you know, if, if God said, hey, Mo, you know, I'll offer you an NBA coach position. You'll coach LeBron James, and you'll make $8 million a year, and, you know, it's going to be a great life. Or you can come make very little money being a youth pastor with some crazy students at a church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And, yeah, you're just going to love teaching it, teaching the students in history. And it would be a great thing. You're just going to love this thing. You're going to have a wife and two kids. It's going to be great. At that time, I would have said, hmm, I'm going over here. <laughs> you know, like LeBron James, $8 million. I mean, come on now. But it's interesting that now that I look back on my life, I would not trade this life for a billion dollars. My wife, my daughter, my soon-to-come child in the next couple weeks. I said couple years. I was in the morning service and everybody laughed. And I was like, what did I say? They said, you said your child is coming in a couple years. I was like, oh my goodness, don't tell Susanna. But I have such an amazing life. Is it perfect? No. Are there struggles? Yes. But I wouldn't trade this life for the world. It's the best life. Why? It's not because I'm perfect. It's just because that when I give my dreams to God and I delight myself in the Lord, he gives me these desires. And now I have desire, crazy as it seems, to literally pursue and love on these students. Who wants to do that? I do. Not everybody does, but God's given me that dream and he's given me that purpose. Whenever we pursue God and his will, he grows us, excuse me, he grows in us dreams and desires that not only align with his will, but are way better than we could ever imagine. Oh, wait till you hear this. You ready for this? Look at this first. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do a little more. Hold on. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or even think. You ever heard, you know, it's beyond my wildest dreams. Like, with Jesus, every single time, it's beyond your wildest dreams. You can't even dream it. You can't imagine it. It's impossible. It's impossible to imagine the life that you will have and how blessed you will be if you follow God. Does it mean that everything's going to be roses? No. But it does mean that you will be blessed, you will be happy, and he gives you the desires, and you will be so thrilled when it comes to the end of your life. Beyond what you could even think God will pursue or excuse me, if you pursue God, God will bless you. You ever wonder why some people never fulfill their dreams? And we're coming down at the end of this message here. You ever wonder why some people never fulfill their dreams? You know, wow, that guy had so much potential. I took my students to, uh, I took my student, my government class to uh, the courthouse uh, just a couple, maybe a month ago, month and a half ago. Um, my 11th and 12th grade government class, and some of you guys are in here. And I took, I took you guys too the, a couple years ago. But when we went there, one of the things, you know, it was kind of cool. Judge Ohm hooked us up, and we got to, you know, experience civil court. And, you know, we actually got to experience two trials, and, you know, he allowed them to really, you know, dig into it. And it was a really good experience for the, for the kids. But one of the things, we went to Colorado Girl afterwards, and one of the things that the students mentioned was, you know, they said, it's so crazy because, you know, these people, you see so many of the rough situations. You see, you know, the parents being taken away from their kids. You see, you know, and they, they choose the drugs. They choose the alcohol. They choose all these things over their children. And it's just so sad. And you see them really ruining and wasting their life. And they're spending more time in jail than out. And, and you just, you think about it. And I told them, you know what the saddest thing about the entire thing is? So the saddest thing is that every one of these people, every single one of them, was a teenager with a dream. Every one of these people was a teenager at one point, and they had a dream to be something. I understand that certain people get put in different, you know, maybe this person got put in maybe a privileged home, and this may be an underprivileged, but every single person has that dream. And every person can pursue that dream. I've seen people go from nothing to everything. LeBron James just gave his testimony on, on television. He was saying how, you know, if you saw where he came from to now what he is, it's just, but every one of these people had a dream. What killed it? What made them go from, man, I want to be this. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to do this. I want to be in where they are now. Well, there's three big dream killers. There's three big dream killers that I want you to stay away from. 
Number one is negativity. Negativity. You see, negativity, what does that do? It takes the focus off of God and magnifies every weakness we have. You see, when you're pursuing God and you really believe, you know, grit, you know we talk, we're just saying, right? You know, the faithfulness of God. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. And we, we were like singing this song. Like I was sitting down there like, yeah, you know, my confidence. But how many times have I lost that confidence in his faithfulness? And I allowed negativity to creep in. It takes my focus off of God and it magnifies all the things that are wrong in life. We won't pursue our dreams if we're filled with negative words. Toxic people reminding us of how it can't be done. Why it shouldn't be done. 101 reasons why you're not the person to get it done. You know, my papa just, he came down and visited Zoe and his graduation came to his graduation. He told us, he said, you know, in my class, out of, let me get this, I think this number's correct. He was 246 out of 267 in his graduating class. Meaning that not, it, was, it wasn't good, okay? He was towards the latter end of the, the GPA. And in his class, they had 267 students. And how he knew that was because they did a snake line. And the first person was the valedictorian. Second, salutatorian. Third, fourth, fifth, 200. All the way down to 246. And he said that he was in the bottom two classes. They split them up into classes. And, and he said that, you know, there was a, the counselor that came in. And the counselor came into the classroom and said, hey, guys, you know, you're a part of this class. We just want to let you know that, you know, you, you guys shouldn't pursue college. He said, you guys, you know, you just need to accept where you are, accept who you are, and then just kind of maybe get an hourly job. Maybe, you know, just, you know, I, I, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't recommend you pursue, you know, those, those college dreams. And, you know, my papa said, you know, yeah, it hurt a little bit, but he didn't let that negativity affect him. And you know what ended up happening? He ended up going to college and finishing college. He became a successful businessman, and now he's somebody who is very successful in life, not because he didn't hear negative criticism, but he didn't allow it to affect him. You see, if you want to fulfill your dreams, surround yourself with honest but positive people. Don't, don't surround yourself with people who are just going to lie to you. Oh, yeah, do that. Oh, man. Honest people but positive people. My dad is super good at this. I don't know how he does it. He'll say the most negative thing, but in a positive way. Like, like Mo, you were terrible this Sunday. I listened to your podcast. You were terrible, but you were the best at being terrible, man. It was amazing. And I'm like, yeah, baby, let's go. I was the best terrible person. Yeah. Who can say that? You know, he's so good at it. He's so positive, but he's honest. Surround yourself with honest, but positive people. Choose to believe you know who the most per- per- positive person in your life is? Oh, my mom, obviously, because moms are so positive. But they are, but the most positive person in your life is God. Choose to believe what God says about you. After all, he kind of was the one who created you. He put the dreams and visions in your heart. First John 3, it talks about how we are the children of God. He is our father. Number two, number one was negativity, dream killer. Number two, fear. Fear is a dream killer, man. The paralyzing, gripping, stop you dead in your tracks kind of fear. The fear of people, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of the unknown. I love the song. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And it takes away all of those fears because you realize that he split the sea so you could walk right through it. We're drowned in perfect love. It's just an amazing song. And I think about this, guys. I think about this often. We are no longer slaves to fear. We don't have to worry about what people think about us. We don't have to worry about rejection and failure and the unknown. We don't have to worry about that because we're the children of God. It's an amazing thought. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't let fear squash your dreams, guys. Don't let negativity squash your dreams. And number three, don't let excuses squash your dreams. Excuses squash so many dreams. 
Here's, a, here's an old person's excuse not to dream. Oh, well, it's too late for us anyway. We've missed our dreams. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll wait till we get to heaven. You know how, that's, that's so crazy to me. You know how many old people God used in the Bible? He gave them dreams and they ended up doing some miraculous and amazing things. Man, older generation, don't stop dreaming. Have a dream. God's put you on this earth and he has you here right now for a reason. Well, my, my time's passed. My prime's passed. No, no, no. You're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. God has you right where you're at for an exact reason. A young person's excuse is this. Oh, well, I'll get, it. I'll get to it when I really have time to focus on it. I got to, you know, go hang out and, and do my own thing, you know. But I, hey, when I get older, don't wait. God has you where you're at right now. He used an eight-year-old Josiah to become king of the... I mean, it's an amazing thing what God did in the Bible and using all these young people. Don't let excuses ruin and squash your dreams. Old generation, young generation, realize this. In Psalms 90, 12, it says, So teach us to number our days that that we may have a heart of wisdom. Number your days. Know that you're here. You don't have forever. But you're here right now, and you're here for a reason. The time to dream is now. Not tomorrow. The time to dream is now. Gospel light should be full of dreamers. Gospel light should be stinking full of dreamers. Every single person with a dream. Well, if we had, you know, five or six dreamers, that's good. And everybody else can be the negative people that keep them honest, you know, keep them... No, everybody should be a dreamer. You know why? Because God's given everybody a purpose. He's given everybody a reason to live. Here's my closing thought. Don't listen to the dream killers. Listen to the dream giver. Don't listen to the dream killers. Listen to the dream giver. For those of you who know the story of Joseph in the Bible, right? Joseph was a dreamer. In fact, his brothers, whenever he'd come by, he said, here comes the dreamer, right? That was their quote-unquote words. And he had dreams that he would tell his brothers. And his brothers literally hated Joseph so much. He was the youngest. And he had these dreams. And they hated him so much that they didn't just want to kill his dreams. They wanted to kill him. And his oldest brother said, no, let's not kill him. I mean, good night. The worst thing I ever wanted to do with my brother was like smack him in the head for stealing Lego or something, you know. He says, wanted to kill him. And the oldest brother says, guys, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in this pit. And he was planning on coming by and getting him later. But before he could come back, they sell him. His own brothers sell him to these Egyptian slaves, uh, slave masters. And he becomes a slave for the Egyptians. But Joseph doesn't listen to the dream killers. He doesn't, even if it was his own family, his own brothers who sold him off into slavery, he didn't let that get him down. And he takes, he goes to Potiphar's house and he becomes one of the the head guys there. And and then what happens? Potiphar's wife makes up the allegations and the stories. And guess what happens? Back down to the dungeon. He was put in prison, shackled up with a couple guys. And man, dream killed again. But Joseph didn't give up. And Joseph ends up becoming second in command of the entire Egyptian kingdom, right underneath Pharaoh. The Egyptian kingdom was the top of the line. I mean, it was the United States, if you will, of the world at that time. I mean, he was second in command. He was vice president. And he saved the entire family and all of his old country where he used to live. He saved them because God had him in that specific place for a specific reason. Here's a cool statement that I want you to listen to and hear. Man's most wicked intentions can never hurt the perfect plan of God. Doesn't matter what man does. They can tear you down. They can do, right? Martin Luther King, right? Martin Luther King had a dream. They tried to kill not only his dream, but they killed him. But that dream still lives on today because he was willing to voice that. He was willing to understand that God had him there for a reason. Genesis 5, 50, 20, excuse me, says this. This is Joseph speaking. As for you guys, my brothers, you, you meant evil against me, but, but this is so cool. Guess what, guys? God actually meant it for good. 
to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Without you actually selling me into slavery, guys, I can thank you. Let's give me dabs. Thank you for selling me into slavery because if you wouldn't have done that, I would have never made it to second command and saved our entire race. Everybody was starved to death. It's amazing what God does with people who don't listen to the dream killers, but listens to the dream giver. Joseph realized that his dream and purpose was too important to listen to the dream killers and quit. Don't let the dream killers take you out of the game. Don't allow negativity. Don't allow fear. Don't allow excuses to prevent you from going where God has created you to go. Jeremiah 29, 11. Well, Mo, how do you know? How do you know that God wants these things for me? I mean, I just think I'm too old or maybe I'm just, I just, I'm, I'm not where I need to be. God doesn't want these dreams. I mean, believe me, this is something that, this is for somebody else. Let's look at Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, this is God speaking, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has plans for each and every person in here. And you know the ultimate plan that he has for everybody in here is found in 1 Timothy 2, 3-4. It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Is there somebody in here this morning that doesn't know the knowledge of the truth? They don't know what it means to be saved and what are you talking about? A child of God, how does that work? If there's somebody in here this morning that feels that way and doesn't understand, listen, you know what God's plan is for you? His plan is that all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Make sure that you get that decision made today. You know, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that actually do. Chloe was singing the song, They can say, they can say, it all sounds crazy. They can say, they can say, we've lost our minds. I don't care, I don't care if they call me crazy. I know that's a song and it's a secular song and it's not talking about God's will, but I want you to understand that there's a lot of people out there who want to stop. You know who really wants to stop your dream from happening? Satan. Because God has a purpose and a plan for you. You ready for this? And I'll close with this. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. There was a 13-year-old boy who decided to be a dreamer. He was saved as a Roman Catholic altar boy. He was a 13-year-old, you know, he he loved the dream. He had big dreams. And he would go to Waffle House with some of his friends. Waffle House, thank God, Waffle House, all right. And he would go to Waffle House, and he would pull out a Waffle House napkin. He would open it up, and he would draw his church buildings. And he'd draw his gym, and he he would draw what God was going to do. And he ends up going to Bible college. He comes to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and he starts a church on 516 Third Street. It's a pretty rough building. Some of you guys remember that. uh, As wide as a two-lane bowling alley. Okay, so not very wide. It's about as wide as one of these pews could fit in, you know, the smaller ones. Very small. Leaks in the roof. Rats. Rough building. But he started a church because he knew God had a purpose and he was a dreamer. He knew God wanted him here. He ends up going and he's planting some plants out in the front and there's a dream killer who walks up and he says, man, you the pastor of this church? Man, why would you build a church in the shadow of that giant over there, Second Baptist? Why? Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, you're, you're right across the street from a meth lab. This church is got leaks in it. It's not very nice. And, and you're building it in front of the biggest church in town in the shadow of that giant. I mean, come on, man. But he didn't listen to the dream killer. And he didn't do it in cockiness. He didn't say, you know, hey, man, it's going you know, to be amazing one day. You just wait. He just kept dreaming. He kept pursuing God and realized that he couldn't quit because God had him in Hot Springs, Arkansas for a reason. 
Well, little did he even know that 12 years later, he, God would allow him to purchase and the church to purchase the, the giant that the shadows cast on his smaller church. And it's amazing to see what God has been able to do through a man who was able to dream. Now, am I saying that this church is all an example of one man, Eric Capace, the pastor, and he did everything? No, obviously, I don't want to say that. But what I want to say this, what I want to say is this. If you will pursue your dream, not just pursue your dream, but if you will, desi- if you will um, pursue God, and if the, if the band could come up and start playing in the background, that'd be great. If you would pursue God and realize that, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dream. I'm going to take my up on that. If you'll dream, if you'll pursue God, God will give you the desires of your heart. This church could be full of dreamers. Listen, the greatest show, right? Gospelite Baptist Church here in Hot Springs, Arkansas. You know what? I'm crazy enough to believe. You ready? I'm crazy enough to believe that God, this is a bad, this world's a tough place, right? I'm crazy enough to believe this. I'm crazy enough to believe that America is in need of one more revival. And it will happen. Mo, it's too far gone. Abortion's at an all-time high. Homosexuality is totally accepted. Listen, this country is going to hell in a handbasket. Mo, give up on that. No, hey, listen, I have a dream, and I believe that there's going to be a revival in America. There's going to be one more. I mean, I, I, just, I believe it. I'm crazy enough to believe that that revival could start in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm crazier enough to believe that that revival in Hot Springs, Arkansas could come from Gospel Light Baptist Church. I'm crazy enough to believe it. And you know, the people who are crazy enough to believe it are the people who actually can change the world. And I'm telling you right now, if we would have a church full of dreamers, a church full of people who are loving God, this is the greatest show, right? Come to Gospel Light. Come to church. The gospel is going to be presented. You've got to start with a dream. Dream big gospel light. Old generation, young generation, middle generation. Everybody, dream. Don't be a negative. Don't be a naysayer. Be a dreamer. Love God and pursue him. Let's pray.